Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about rituals, the secret sauce to satisfaction. How's that for an alliterative phrase? <laughs> Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we are so happy you have joined us. Thanks for tuning in. As you know, Kirsten and I love talking about women and work because we want every single woman to have a workplace or a work experience that's full of joy, meaning, and ease. Don't we, Kirsten? I'm all for that. Yeah. And one of the ways to do that is by having some rituals. As you said, it's the secret sauce to success. Satisfaction. (laughs) Satisfaction and success Mm -hmm. because you love alliteration. Well, and that too. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I think given where we are in the world at this moment in time, I think that rituals are a way for us to manage and deal with the chaos that at least I feel, and I'm sure, I feel like lots of other people feel that's around all the time. I mean, the mayor of Portland was tear gassed this week. Yeah. Uh, uh, Yes. What? Yeah. (laughs) And my favorite, honestly, this is while protests are so complicated for me because I celebrate the meaning of them. I celebrate. I'm so filled with joy when people are out there talking about what they care about. But when I see the violence or I see how things go sideways, I just have this deep grief, right? Yes. So I'm conflicted about, I'm always like afraid somebody's going to get hurt or something's going to happen. But I, not that I don't want anybody to stop doing it, but I just have that fear. But there are two things that have happened with regard to these Portland protests that have just really filled me with joy. And the first one is the moms. Yes. Right? The yellow Yellow shirted. Yes. Mm -hmm. Bike helmets on. (laughs) So smart. Here come the dads with the leaf blowers to blow the tear gas away. I know. They're electric leaf blowers. It's just great. (laughs) Right? Because who's going to mess with the line of moms? And then, of course, we have Athena. Yeah. Oh, my God. Beautiful Mm -hmm. Athena. Beautiful Athena. Who's spreading her coocher all over Portland. She is in front of those police officers with it all flying. She is naked Naked. as a jaybird. Mm -hmm. In all of her glory. And what I found so wonderful about her was she, I think, was there to distract and disarm people from their kind of aggressive, thoughtless, what is that call when you're reacting from kind of your base instincts? Yeah, I don't know, but I feel like people are, yeah, like very defensive fight or flight, yes. autopilot. Yes, the hypothalamus or something, yeah, whatever part of your brain, that alligator part of your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I felt she was disarming. So I was like, sister, good for you. It's like, it's similar to the woman who puts the flower in the rifle. Yeah, You know, it's just like, girl, yeah. showing up naked. Yeah. Spread eagle on the side, of, on the, in the like, middle of the street. Her. Good on her. Forces everyone to just pause for a minute and think about what they're doing. What are we doing here? What is that all about? It's interesting, too, because you were saying chaos, which is like, yes, what's happening in Portland, what's happening in other cities across the United States, frankly, the world. Yeah, in conjunction with COVID, protests, riots, feeling totally unsettled, jobs moving around, families not being able to see each other, kids working from home. It's all so flipping big. Yep. And just full of chaos and uncertainty. And 
lights are bright lights, like the naked Athena in Portland and the moms and the, mm-hmm. I'm going to say the moms, I'll just say moms. And, and the guys. elevation of Black Lives Matter and all of the things that are happening. They're so, so great. And yet there are so many of us who are just feeling untethered in a way that mm-hmm. is almost untenable. It's the conversation that I feel like I have two or three times a day yeah. with different clients. Yeah. You know, how you doing is a loaded question now. Someone mm-hmm. actually said to me, you know what? That's a really loaded question. And I don't know how to answer it. People ask me, I say, you know, I have no legitimate complaint, but I have a lot of illegitimate complaints. <laughs> so if you want to hear those, we can go. No, and you probably have legitimate complaints too. I don't know, too. but I hear exactly what you're saying. It's like hard to give an authentic answer when someone says, how are you, given what's going on? Given what's going on. And what we found in some of our research for the show is that really, truly, one of the ways to feel grounded, one mm-hmm. of the ways to kind of move yourself from that place where it's feeling chaotic and just untethered and, you know, anxious, there's anxious mm-hmm. and, un- you know, is to find those rituals, to find those places where there's some meaning, some normalcy, and some regularity in your day, in your life, in your work, with your colleagues, with your family, with your friends, and by yourself, frankly, even, in order to calm the relieve stress, to calm, to provide certainty. You know, I was a really been wanting to do this episode for a while because- But I wouldn't let you. Krina said no, because you know how she is. <laughs> She's all like, it's all about me. No, I'm totally kidding. It's the list is long. It's we have hard a lot, to figure I know. out what to talk about every team. We need to do a show every day. Because it's there's so much great stuff to talk about with work. But I was a divorced mom. I was a single mom for a long time. And so I really felt like rituals were particularly important in my family huh. to establish the broken home, which I just hate that name. But to establish some regularity, yeah. some reliability. Yeah. You know, this is our house. This is our family. And I've also seen how those are so great at work. Yeah. In looking into this episode, you know, the first thing I started to dig into was what is a ritual? What is a ritual? Really, what constitutes a ritual? And this is one of those places where I'm playing catch up with you because for so many years, I've been shedding. I've just been shedding rituals mm-hmm. in my family and in my work. I don't know why. Because some of them are dissatisfying. Yeah. Some people get stuck in work or family rituals that they feel obligated to perform, but that are dissatisfying. Yeah. And so I'm going to guess that whatever you were doing that you shed were things you didn't like, which I'm all for. Yeah, I think so, or that I didn't see the utility Mm -hmm. of at the Mm -hmm. time. Uh, So I'm looking into my own life and also trying to figure out really what constitutes a ritual. And there's a whole lot of information out there. In fact, this is one of the things that anthropologists have studied Mm -hmm. forever. And it really crosses so many different kind of sociological planes. It's like you can look at faith. You can look at work, you can look at culture, you can look at transition. It's these rituals are sprinkled everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And they all have three things in common, right? In order for something to be a ritual, it has to have three things. It has to have sort of this ritual script. So that's like a predefined sequence. You do the same thing over and over. It's a repetition because there's safety in knowing what happens next. Yes. Yeah. And I loved... The, one of the articles that we read was saying, you know, you can set the table a million times, but when you set the table for a religious ceremony and you ha- you put this here and this there mm-hmm. and this here and this is how you engage it, that's the difference between a ritual and 
Um, a habit. A habit. Mm-hmm. That's, that's you know, the sort of the script. Mm-hmm. The second thing a ritual has to have, it has to have more meaning. It has to be way more meaningful than just a habit. It has to be, and this is something that I kind of wrestled with. One of the authors that we read said it has to be embedded in a larger system of symbolism and meaning. So meaning. So it's not just set in the table. Right. It's set in the table because this is a religious ceremony to gather as a family, to celebrate a passage. There's something in whatever physical thing or that you're doing or saying or experiencing that is meaningful. Yeah. And so then the third thing is that it has to have some irrationality associated with it, which (laughs) I thought was kind of cool. So that there's no rational reason why, kind of back to that table setting example, there's no rational reason why the fork needs to go here and the knife needs to go here, or that we need to eat this food first and then follow it with something salty and then follow it with something sweet. That's, you know, there's no rational reason Mm -hmm. behind it. But those three things combined create a ritual. And when you're able to design those, when you're able to design and find those things in your life, in your work, in your family, in your religion, I guess, they have some pretty interesting impacts. But, you know, this is me talking from research. Which I just love. I love it. I know, but not from personal experience. And I'm curious, you know, kind of what constitutes a ritual in your mind or in what you heard, Yeah, so... I really think it's easy to get stuck on the difference between a habit and a ritual. And I really, when I'm talking to people about ritual, I really encourage them to just focus on meaning, Mm. figure out where the meaning is. So when I was growing up, Christmas was not my favorite holiday. Okay. We were far from family, so it was just my sister and my mom and my dad and I. Christmas Eve was always great, but my in my mom's family, there was no celebration for Christmas Day. And so I think that's why this happened, but Christmas Day was always kind of quiet and a little bit, like, felt lonely because mm. we were all by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I realized as I became an adult with my own family, I was like, oh, I'm going to own this. I'm going to own Christmas because if I'm unhappy or not satisfied, I'm going to figure out what works for me and my family. Okay. And I think that's the key. What works for you and your family, where's the meaning? Where are you creating a space, whether for your coworkers, your family, your friends, to have structure, reliability, where they know there is going to be meaning and connection? Okay. So just whatever release yourself yep. from this, like, is this a ritual or is this a habit? And dig into meaning. And dig into meaning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is also interesting. That be- works for you, that you enjoy. Because mm-hmm. that's one of the things about rituals. You've got to have buy-in. Yeah. You got to have buy-in. If people aren't buying in, there's no ritual, you know, unless it's just for you, which is also fine. Yeah. And also rituals have, like you said, they have meaning and emotion. Mm-hmm. It's something you look forward to. Mm-hmm. It's something that brings you joy. Or in some cases, something that helps you transition. And that's something that was also really surprising to me in doing this research is the vast benefits, benefits of ritual. Of ritual. Mm-hmm. Which I love the way you paused for that, like that pausing to acknowledge the sacred benefit of ritual. That is exactly what it is. Yeah. And it doesn't have to just be rooted in religion. It doesn't have to just be rooted in family and holidays, that there are ways to create ritual at work. In fact, we actually do, whether we know it or not. Yeah. That perpetuates your organization or your business's values. 
that provides meaning for your workers, your coworkers, etc., and does exactly what rituals do for everyone else who engages in them, which is it suppresses the anxiety response mm-hmm. in the brain. Reduces stress. Yep. Provides quote unquote relief. Yep. Regulates right. emotions. Mm-hmm. And also provides a social connection to others, mm-hmm. which we know if you've listened to every episode and if you haven't, <laughs> it's why all the we talk about, you, you need to go back and listen, it's starting with number about. one, uh, the episode on friends that having that social connection at work is one of the things that gives you meaning. Mm-hmm. That is really the secret sauce. Rituals are this, you know, provide your brain the opportunity to temper the negative emotions create social connections with others and reduce anxiety and give you an opportunity to engage. I find it hard to believe on some level though. I'm a little bit of an ACR. Like seriously, (laughs) all I have to do is like do the same thing over and over again and attach some arbitrary meaning to it. And we'll be fine. Mm -hmm. That's it. Honestly, that's really it. Yeah. So I'm really curious how somebody does that. And I just put, I want to, you talked about the benefits of it. And I just want to remind people like that when you've watched Rafa Nadal play tennis or Michael Phelps swim, they have rituals to govern their performance. I know trial attorneys, teams of trial attorneys, who before they go to trial have this ritual of going out to this same place, early dinner, same food. They talk about the case, then they stop talking about the case when the meal arrives, and they do not talk about it until they go, they, until they arrive again together the next morning. Interesting. And it is a ritual they perform every time the team goes to trial. And I look at that and I think that's like Michael Phelps. You know, I think about the crazy lady who's playing bingo with the troll and the, and the, you know, like my pretty pony with the sparkle in the rainbow. So she's got to bring along center. And I guess that's also yes. the same thing. It is the same thing with, and it deserves the same amount of credibility and regard. Yeah. With <laughs> the little troll. Prepares her for bingo. Mm-hmm. It, and it's interesting because they really, you know, in addition to, so I guess the lady with the bingo, she's convinced or he's convinced that you know, engaging that ritual prepares them for bingo or may or may not increase their, you know, odds of winning. At work, a lot of times these rituals can prepare you for your day. Or or a project or some challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Or bringing on a new person or sending out a person who's going on to something else. And so let's touch on some of those kinds of workplace rituals that have been super effective. And one of the things that I really like about doing this show is that we do have some, we have some ideas. Just a few. (laughs) Just a few. And then we kind of go out there and see what everybody else thinks about it and get a, get kind of some reflections on our own perspective. I think this was like my favorite part of preparing for this show is seeing what's some companies have adopted for rituals. Yes. And before we go there, I have to just say one other thing, which really struck me in our research. And this is a quote. I don't know who said it, but it wasn't me. That ritualized behaviors seem particularly likely to emerge under circumstances characterized by negative emotions, such as high anxiety, Mm -hmm. uncertainty, and stress. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where we are now. Yes. That high high anxiety and stress, just like you said in the beginning. That's how we have funerals after deaths. So that there's a ritual involved Mm -hmm. in preparing the body and helping you move Mm on. Well, you know, we are in this place. We're in this place. Where it's super stressful. Where it's super stressful. And we're not together. No. We're not together. Or we're together only with about 10% of the information we can get over Zoom. 
Right. Which we've already talked about that. Oh my God. Turn your mute on and off. Just oh. get control of the mute button. Did we have to remind you? And don't let us think you're frozen. <laughs> Give us some kind of feedback. Okay. That's last two weeks. That was a really good point, by the way, about the acknowledging that those rituals come out of sometimes those experiences. Those rituals come out of those kinds of experiences and yet we're removed from one another and the opportunity to sort of build and get in and engage in those. And so, you know, we came across some great examples of what some businesses are doing, you know, during COVID and not during COVID. Thank, at some point we might get out of this. We're going to get out of it. Love just of, is the question of when. Of when. Mm-hmm. You know, which I, and I agree with you and I want to hear, I want to talk about all these stories because I think there's some really cool information out there, but also to acknowledge we're at this time when creating rituals might just be something you're doing for yourself with yourself. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to say to that, Karina, about rituals, especially when you're working from home, you know, to try and figure out a way to provide some structure and some peace and some solace for yourself. And I've heard about all kinds of things that folks do. One of the things I've heard people doing is really, and this is a habit, but, and you've talked about this too, close on and close off. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, a changing clothes. Different clothes. We're back to Athena and your clothes are off. Sorry. It's me, really. I'm the lady We're down back in Portland. to the naked lady. <laughs> no, but I have had, I've had people talk to me a lot about that they ritualize the changing of clothes. Because yeah. they don't need to change their clothes. They're just at home. Mm -hmm. But they do, and they stop, and they take a few minutes, and they just move from one part of their day to the next part of their day. Yes. And I have done that. I think you could ritualize that in by putting on the same something. Same pair of earrings represents I'm at work. And when you take them off, you're done with work. And it's silly and goofy, and it really doesn't mean anything, but in a way it does. It it's does, because you have decided symbol, it means something. Yeah, it's got some symbol. Which really requires your awareness. Which is back to mindfulness. I know. Here we are again. Mindfulness and connection over and over again. Just We're pay like, attention. Blah, 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 I know. Blah, 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 we have blah, to blah. say the same things over and over <laughs> again. Okay. So let's talk about some of the cool things, though, that other organizations or yes. businesses are doing. Because, you know, I always think about rituals, and I'm like, okay, it means... Everybody's birthday gets a birthday card, yeah, no. the last person mm -hmm. who da-da-da-da-da. And it's really, that's not what it's about. It can be that, but it doesn't have to be that unless that is what works for folks. Clearly from the way I described it, it doesn't it, work it didn't for you work because for you've me. been trying to shed all your rituals. So you just need better rituals, Karina. I do. And you I'm just gonna, need yes, better rituals. Exactly. Yeah. I have one particular favorite, and I think it also ritualizes something that is potentially anxiety-producing and uncomfortable, and that is when somebody leaves. Mm -hmm. When somebody leaves, maybe they're leaving because they were disgruntled, maybe they found some really great job that everybody else wants, maybe they got fired, right? Yeah. Maybe they got laid off, but we go back to Airbnb, who wrote that amazing layoff letter we talked about in an earlier episode acknowledging the employee's contributions. So when somebody leaves Airbnb, this was a pre-COVID thing, but I think it's still like really great in concept, but they do the human tunnel, a really long human tunnel with as many people in the building as they can get in their big, huge lobby. And people run through the tunnel while they're applauded mm -hmm. with great joy for their new adventure. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how awkward is it when people leave? Yeah. And how it, is it that you navigate that? And so let's provide a ritual to not just normalize departure and give us all an 
an easy way of managing it, but let's also create some joy and excitement around it. Well, and also let's display our values through this ritual, mm-hmm. which was one of the other things that I thought was oh, really yes. cool, right? So you can, another company really wanted to have a lot of creativity. They wanted to encourage people to experiment and try different things. And so they created rituals around celebrating failure so that when every staff meeting or whatever, you know, whoever had the biggest F up, I did that for you, Julie Cameron. You did not have to edit out my cuss word. (laughs) Whoever did the biggest F up of the week or the month, you know, was almost celebrated. And that was also a rich, like that perpetuates your values that illustrates the values of the company and kind of helps ground people in where they want to be. This is safe. We're going to talk about it. We're actually going to say it in the open and everybody is going to embrace it so that you don't have to be afraid. Another way of normalizing something that's uncomfortable. Right. Okay. Let's talk about onboarding. What about this? Oh, come on. What is it? It's Dropbox. I didn't. Yeah. yeah. Dropbox. I did not know this because it is not like something that I think of when I use their product, but one of their core values is delight. And so- Which is also- what? Isn't that great? That's cool. Who made delight a core value? And maybe that should be ours. That's at, mine. At the law that's firm. my new you can one. Make it yours, I'm taking it the over. The consulting firm. <laughs> I do think that's right, though. Delight. Why not? Anyway, they value delight. So when somebody comes on as a new employee, they get an unmarked box with a cupcake, a big picture of a cupcake and all of the things to make a cupcake. Because what they're trying to communicate to the employee is we want you to experience delight. Mm -hmm. And who would not be delighted by opening up a box and having somebody say, oh, make yourself a cupcake. Isn't that sweet? Yes. It's like fun and interesting. So I loved that one because it was really a way of bringing somebody in with your values, delight. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the other onboarding ritual that I thought was super cool, and I was just trying to scan some of our articles to see if I could cite the source, and I can't, but it's a design firm who really wanted to give anybody who was new an opportunity to get to know their coworkers, which is really interesting because I used to do this. I would put one of the, I don't know if it was a ritual or whatever, but everybody at the organization I used to run who had an office would have some funny name like just have their name on the door. And there were multiple offices that had more than one person in it. And we would put everyone's name on the door so that new people at least could guess some, you know, like could see who was working in which office. Well, this design company that we saw took that about a million steps further. Clearly I was lame with the whole name tag (laughs) and had anybody who was new the day before their first day, everyone in the office would put a token, something that was important to them on this new person's desk. And over the course of the first day or week, the new hire had to figure out who's I'm going to go back to the troll in my pretty pony with the rainbow on it, whose thing this was. So it was like almost like a treasure hunt. Yeah, it was a treasure hunt to sort of say, we want you to talk to your staff. We want you to talk to your coworkers. We want you to engage. We want want you to to, learn something about them. We want you to get to know each other. That is a value. That's a value that we hold. So super, super cool rituals that almost feel forced and contrived. And yet there's some element of silliness to them. And when you can get silliness and buy-in from everyone, that's the, that's what you're the searching silliness, for. This, I think the silliness disarms us and allows us to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that's the vulnerability that is required for connection. Yeah. I don't think you can really have any meaningful connection without vulnerability. 
right? Yeah. I mean, are you channeling Brene Brown right now? (laughs) (laughs) You totally are. Brene Brown, why are you not on our show yet? If we were going to have a special guest, I would. Hey, if I'm Brene, we don't need her. We always need Brene. Who doesn't need Brene? Brene every day. No, but you're right. Like you're creating that kind of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And, and also, again, back to the benefits of rituals, it calms anxiety. Can you imagine your first day at work or your last day at work or when you messed up something major and there was a ritual that was intended to calm your anxiety, normalize what you had just experienced, yep. and create connection with your coworkers. Are you kidding me? It's like a trifecta. It's a home run. It's, it's the goddamn of, secret sauce it's to the satisfaction. Secret sauce to satisfaction, especially in these, like, I mean, it really is really appropriate for where we are. Yeah. So how do we do this during COVID? Because I think that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, the human tunnel is great, but I can't do it social distance with a mask on. Well, I guess I could, but you could, but that'd be, you know, it would be hot. awkward. It'd be, someone might touch you and they'd be close <laughs> and it'd be hard. Then we'd have to all get tested. No, how do we do that? And I think, you know, in a lot of ways right now, we're in this place where I know I personally am trying to find ways to create structure and meaning and reduce anxiety. Because you're embracing ritual. Yeah, well, I need to. You, I, need to I do mean, it more. I think you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I am because I'm finding, I'm trying to figure out ways to like define and move between home and work mm-hmm. when it all happens at the same time. Yeah. I'm trying to find ways to even create space between me and my family so that we have things to talk about. When it comes time to have those moments, when right? You, we're going to have conversations because we're spending right. so much time together. Or, And I'm also trying to calm my own anxiety around just the state of the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we've created new rituals in COVID that I never thought, you know, around when we read the news and what we talk about and what we don't talk about during different times of the day. It's interesting. At work, Sally, who's our managing partner, instituted an 11 o'clock Zoom call. And on the Zoom call, we all just check in. There's Is it every day? It's every Friday. Sorry. Every Friday at 11 o'clock, we all sign on. And I missed the first few because I was scheduling meetings as convenient for myself over top of the 11 o'clock call. Uh And then I was able to go to like three or four in a row, four or five in a row. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. Because every week, somebody else creates a new question. So we've got 20-some employees, everybody creates a question, and I have learned so much about people, and I think they have learned so much about me. It's questions about what was your biggest failure? What's the one thing that somebody told you you couldn't do that you did anyway, and what was the result? Hmm. I mean, great questions, and I know- Really interesting, yeah. Yes, and I like- There've been fun questions like, okay, so if we weren't in COVID, where would you travel? I mean, just very dear. So that has been a great, and it actually is a ritual. It's not a habit because our intention is to create meaning and connection, to know something about each other. And there has we've created actually an environment of vulnerability where I actually said that, you know, I was told when early on before I when I wanted to be a lawyer before I went to law school that I didn't have good enough grades and I should try something else. Huh. Right. And I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So just we've all kind of and, and other people have said things that I'm like, wow. So this is something you talk to your colleagues yes. about. This is this. I responded to a question and we're all I mean, I think I wouldn't say all, but many of us, the default is vulnerability and safety. So it's been great. Like that 11 o'clock 
Friday phone call has become a ritual of connection and check-in. And that you're now probably looking forward to it. Where in the beginning you were scheduling meetings, meetings over, over top it. of it. I was just, and I was like, okay, now do you see how that changes from habit to ritual? Yeah. Because now it has meaning. My participation is important as part of that meeting because I'm part of the tribe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it was, is a very interesting creation of ritual. Yeah. I love that. And I've seen clients do other things like there's always the first 10 minutes or five minutes where you just hear from every single person. Our ritual is you're going to have a check-in. You know that you're going to have to mention something about your life, tell everyone how you're doing, et cetera. Even that, even something as simple as that, maybe it doesn't have to always be something separate and lengthy. It can even be the small things Mm -hmm. like 10 minutes before every meeting. I actually have a client who has experimented with doing meditation. I love this. It was really interesting. It's happened in three or four meetings and I find them to be the best meetings. And that's when everyone turns their video off and it's a two or three minute guided meditation where there's, and it begins and ends with a ringing of a bell or a gong. And I'm kind of the person that, I don't know if you did, like I've been in yoga, I did prenatal, whatever. And I'm always the, even um, when my parents forced me to go to church before they figured that whole thing out (laughs) and everyone closes their eyes and I don't. It's like my favorite thing in the world to be the person who doesn't close their eyes. I'm, I'm the first person to close my eyes. I just look, I'm looking for any chance to close my stinking eyes. I don't close anytime. my time. I look at everyone who's closed their eyes. And this is so great because you we're all going off video. Mm-hmm. And you're just there with yourself and you're listening to this thing. And then we move into the meeting agenda. You know, again, it's two or three minutes, but it creates meaning connection and this common experience for the very people who are going through you know, this crazy work crazy together. Crazy at the same time have to perform. Yeah, exactly. A couple of other ones that have just kind of come up, opportunities to eat together. Mm-hmm. It's know, interesting how important eating is to ritual. It is really interesting. And I actually had a meeting that was the person who held the meeting sent around boxes full of food and they were not to be opened until the meeting started. This was during COVID? During COVID. So we started the meeting, which had some really hard financial information, by opening up this box of fruit and cheese, and it was beautiful. And so even though we weren't together, we were sharing a meal, so to speak. And she has continued to do this with hard conversations. Now, granted, it's only happened three times during COVID, but it's it's just interesting how everybody calms down and hears the hard information because it just happens that these are hard meetings given things going on. Yeah. I've been working, we have a firm picnic every year and it is a ritual because Debbie, Steve takes everybody out to ski. Sally and Debbie go out to ski. I tell Debbie not to ski. She's going to hurt herself and not be able to work. And I'm freaking out that I want to have Debbie and all. And Debbie goes and skis anyway, and she's fine. So we have all these things that we do. There's a water fight with with the water guns. We often will recognize our anniversaries at this. And we always have this chatty chat, talk, talk. But it is a ritual. We watch how big the kids are. Yeah. Right? It's like this time we're together with all of our whole families, and we just take this moment to, like, acknowledge and to have fun. But, of course, during COVID, we can't. So I think what I'm going to do this time is I think we're going to send out boxes of yummy food and a painting project. Oh, interesting. And we're going to paint together. So it's all going to be Zoom. It has to be. Eating the same food, Mm -hmm. painting the same 
Yours is going to be the A plus painting. Oh, mine will be the best It'll be the greatest. And you're going to ritually kind of create some sort of... That's great. And we'll do the same things that we do. Acknowledge acknowledge the anniversaries, acknowledge where everybody is. Make everyone's kids get over there so right. you can see and how we'll big they've gotten. And we'll send out enough paint stuff. Because I think everybody can paint. Sure. So I just think we need to be creative to find those places in the total chaos that is our world right now. Just to have our our space and our people and our connection and know that we're together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, why are the tears? Because it's just so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's the core of the ritual. It's so sweet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's the antidote to everything it's that's happening right now. It's the secret sauce, sister. Secret sauce to satisfaction, sister. Comma, sister. That's right. And so kind of back to that original definition, I think, you know, we're kind of getting obviously to the end of this, is really finding those things that have formality and repetition that are meaningful, kind of embedded in this like larger symbolism and are a little bit silly, Mm -hmm. a little bit irrational, a little bit nutty, Mm -hmm. but that you can do to calm yourself, to reduce those negative emotions, create connection and create a bridge between kind of one thing or the other. And also like the bridge between chaos and, and some certainty. Yeah. 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 I can feel that. I can feel how that is tearworthy. The, the ability to create that for ourselves, especially mm-hmm. right now, it's that's some serious secret sauce. Yeah. And don't forget, we spend so much stinking time at work. Yeah. We need to have these rituals at work too. Yes. It's like these rituals are not just about church and family and death. They're about living and everyday stuff. And celebrating and honoring and exactly. And it's interesting, even the words you used, we spend so much time at work. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say we spend so much time working now. I'm not at oh my anywhere. Yeah. We just spend so much time working. I spend so much time on my brown couch. I know. We know <laughs> that. How many? What, what episode was that? Anyway, so we spend so much time working, finding ways to punctuate it, create this kind of meaning, and give ourselves the opportunity to really dig in, find the ways to do the work that give us the joy and the satisfaction. That's what it's all about. Lovely, lovely listeners. How's that for alliteration? Thanks for joining us, Kirsten. As always, I love your tears because it means... I know we're getting to the we're getting to the heart of it. Because you're stuff. Just, yeah, it's we're just, getting to the good stuff. It's just a lovely, lovely thing about you that I love. Um, thanks, friend. Yeah, thanks for working, folks. Happy rituals. Let us know what they are too. I'm so curious. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.